You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode this week down at Starspace 46. If you don't know what Starspace is, it's a killer co-working space. So we're kind of like sat in the kitchen right now. Um, That's kind of funny that I just said sat in the kitchen. I know we are, but like we're cooking up some music right now, right? That's like (laughs) a music thing, isn't it? Uh, Totally into, you know, totally to do with my guest today. And, you know, you'll hear some things going on in the background. Obviously, we're in a working space. So just look past that and listen to the beautiful voices you're going to hear today. Uh, My guest today, Christian, is it Pearson? That's right, Christian Pearson. I yeah, thought so, so yeah. right? Because I I see it, and a lot of people spell that with like the I and the E and the whatever. Right, it's like but pear. Son, yeah, yeah, exactly. Do people get get that mixed up a lot? Every day. That's. Yeah. Pr- I'm so glad you said that because I feel really bad for not getting it right. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you know that's that's going to chop it up for 30 minutes and talk about the music, you know, music, um, the music. I guess I was going to say session, but like theme and everything that's in Oklahoma City right now like it's yeah the music scene there you go yeah Yeah. it's just like it's popping and I know you have a huge part of that Um, and you've obviously been on the news a lot recently and done your first TED talk right and you know we'll get into all that but how did you come to Oklahoma City? How did that all start? Well, I'm I'm from here, and I, I grew up. I went to Edmonds schools, went to OU. Um, I'm I'm sooner born, sooner bred, as <laughs> yeah. they say. Um, and you know, there was a time where I thought about trying to go to a bigger market and and you know work and live in a different city. But the truth is, like, I really love it here. And what's cool, this is a city that's changing fast, and I, I'd kind of rather be a part of that change here. Right. Um, of course, to do that, I have to take some ideas from the bigger cities yeah and like be that. the change i guess right Absolutely, yeah. and the good thing is like and we've said this many a time on the podcast before is that we're lucky to be in such a place because we can see what works in other markets and just by the time we figured it out it's not even here yet so we're like the pioneers of it right we're in the middle of the middle it's so know? good yeah um so grew up in oklahoma city you know went to ou uh what was it always like music from a young age I, I did always play music from a young age. My my father was a musician and a music educator, and that was a big influence on me. But and I went to, to college at OU as a piano performance major. That's what I thought I wanted to do. But yeah. I never practiced when I was in, in that program. And, right. and you have to practice if you want to be a musician. I've, that's sort of one thing that I have learned. Um, so anyway, I, I ended up leaving that program, um, which was which was good. It, I just, it wasn't right for me. Um, but I stayed in jazz band all four years i wanted to go into marketing because i thought that sounded fun like making fun advertisements and stuff like yeah um but a family friend who is a finance professor at OU made a good case for for getting a finance degree and uh that's what i ended up doing okay after school i had no idea what i wanted to do with my life i ended up in the banking industry so i was in, i was working in banking for three years yeah and, um that was actually really cool like I really like the people I work with and I learned a lot but it was a terrible person like I'm way too ADD soul crushing yeah uh, yeah it was a little soul crushing it was and um but, you know I, I but at the same time I could also see people finding meaningful work in that you know because I worked for a community bank okay and, and so they were you know you're like financing you know you could in that I was like 20 324 and we I would see like a project get financed and then watch that project turn into like a cool real estate development that my friends and I would go 
you know, eat at, drink yeah. at. So in that sense, actually, I, I could see someone being very passionate about that work. It was more like what I was doing on a day-to-day was like really bad for, it was not a good fit for what my, how my brain works. Like okay. I'm just more of a creative and less of a dot every I and cross every J or whatever yeah. the expression is. Like, right. I'm not a perfectionist. You know what so I mean? was school like for you, like the entire fame movie, it was just like that guy who plays piano in fame is like this amazing DJ kind of guy. And he's just like, this is how I spoke. Like his, the the scene I'm thinking of is like his uh, his piano professor, whatever you call him, is like this is how Mozart played it a thousand years ago, and he's like, I know that's why I want to change it or something. Like <laughs> that's what I think of, you know. Um, kind of, yeah. So I my my professor is Dr. Gates, and he was amazing, and he was really brilliant classical artist. He taught me a lot of fundamental like music concepts that have stuck with me, but. Uh, yes, I was not good at like learning every note on the page and shutting myself away in a practice room and learning Bach conventions. Like, you know, I would come back every week and he'd be like, dude, you learned like two measures this week. And I'm like, yes. And, yeah, you but know, I had a blast so, doing and, my own stuff. And, and when he told me, you know, I wasn't a good fit for the program, it was very kind. It was like, hey, man, like, you know, if, if you if you don't enjoy doing like shutting yourself away for six hours and practicing then like you you know you should probably do just to have a different career you can always play piano right well and he was right but what i learned really was that i enjoy improvisation okay and and so when i got into jazz band that was my first real experience with jazz music and blues and stuff like that and once i got a taste of improvisation where it's like you know you you can still read music as a guideline but it's you know music is a language and so like improvisation is like what we're doing right now you know they yeah. have a script you know right. basically it's like saying i enjoy speaking to people when i get to choose my words on the fly mm-hmm. but i don't enjoy memorizing scripts and 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 performing them that's, that's exactly how i am is. with this too right. like i if i had to stand up in front of people and give a speech that, that somebody had written ha- for you oh yeah, yeah. i'd hate that yeah and i would suck at it too yeah but you love doing this because it's like casual isn't it it's just like conversation just see where it goes but absolutely so when was it always you know you went from the the you said the piano the piano stuff the classical stuff into like the jazz stuff mm-hmm. and was that so like growing up with a you know dad that teaches music was it like every instrument or was it more focused on the jazz piano kind of that area it's a good question so i'll tell you my background with my dad my dad is a sax player and he plays clarinet and flute he teaches okay. all those instruments he taught me clarinet and i played in like the pride of oklahoma marching band and all that oh yeah um, yeah i did that thing it was cool um he, i had a separate piano teacher for that my dad's not a keyboard player okay. although he understands music you know he just but you just had a passion to to do piano well, they put me they, they they put me in piano lessons, and that was my main instrument. Gotcha. And I was in, in 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 once I got to like middle school, I did clarinet and band at, at Summit Middle School. You know, my dad was okay. my was my clarinet teacher, but you know, and probably for my parents, you know, it's like my dad's teaching me everything in life. He kind of likes the idea of somebody else teaching me music, and he would That's still help enough. me with my piano. He'd yeah. come in and be like, "Hey, buddy, you're rushing this one part." You know, like he would still coach me, but but he mainly gave me space to explore right. musically on the piano. And the reason I got really into it was just because of the attention that got me at school, like in middle school, doing talent shows and stuff and playing in the, you know, playing yeah. in the choir room after school and in high school, I'd spent so much time doing that, just trying to have fun. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned classical and jazz, but I don't really think of music like that. Okay. You know, um, that's, that's what, Oh, you called it, you know, you have your classical program, you can take jazz improvisation yeah. class. I think all of that, you know, like now that I've gotten a little deeper into music, I, I think all that's pretty silly. Like music's music, it's just vocabulary and it's, yeah. and it's words and stuff. So nowadays when, you know, I'm a, I'm a piano man, I play 
like at the Red Piano Lounge and stuff like that. And there, it's the same deal. I want to have extemporaneous musical conversations with my audience and mm-hmm. with other musicians. Not, I don't, I, it, now I might recite part of something that's written. I might play a, cla- a little classical music. I might play a jazz head that, you know, yeah. I've, I've learned. But um, I, I'm really just trying to take themes and stuff and just work the room and like yeah. throw out a little like classic rock or a little Justin Timberlake or a little Beethoven or a little right. uh, Miles Davis or whatever. And I just watch people and see what makes people turn their heads. And then by the end of the night, people are talking to me about their childhood and what they listen to and yeah. songs they've fallen in and out of love to. And, and, you know, then I, from there, I just try to play music that, that, that takes those people. I don't know their story, but if you play a song, you know, you can tell, yeah, it's like a time machine, man. They go back in time and, and it's a really special thing for people because I think as we, as people get older, sometimes they forget certain things, certain chapters of their life that were actually really beautiful and really amazing to them. Mm-hmm. And, w- and when you go back and remember that, it's actually pretty impactful. So um, sometimes when I when I play, you know, solo piano gig where I'm just in the corner of the room playing, like sometimes it's, it's pretty chill, not much happens. And then there's sometimes where at the end of the night, you know, somebody's looking me in the eye like, thank you so much for this. Like, you know, I, people will be crying and stuff because they're yeah. like, man, this reminds me of this one time. And, you know, like, I shouldn't have let her go, it's man. It's always whatever, music, yeah. right? It's always music that takes them back to that point. Music is really powerful and it's really, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Really like you always listen to, you, know, you might be listening to the radio or you might play a song and, and my wife does this all the time. She's like, this was like our middle school song or whatever. Yes, you know what I mean? Like exactly. it always kind of takes you back there. Yes. Um, and for like in the UK or for us, it was like, you know, like I would, like every kind of kid who was like loved skateboarding was like some 41 and like all that, yes. you know, you think now you're like, why would I listen to that junk? Right. Yeah. But you. But at the time, of- you know, and it was like the shit, you know, like it was like, I would listen to that stuff all the time and offspring and all the rest of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's good stuff. Like, you know, yeah. um, you know, sometimes somewhere along the line, there's been like some criteria put around certain types of music. Like it's gotta be this way or that way, but that's like putting criteria around language. I mean, it's just language. So it's like, you know, you're just expressing things. I mean, if I were going to say, what's a better word, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm making up this analogy on the fly, but like, if I'm going to say what's a better word, you know, like, um, generosity or niceness. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, generosity is a way better word. It sounds a lot more proper. It's like, well, niceness in a certain situation is like, man, I really appreciate your niceness. You know, it has a casualness about it. And that's how music is. There's no good or bad. It's just different choices and different colors and different feelings to express. Uh And sometimes you want to be formal and articulate and blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to be like that all the time because there's, you know, music is life. Life is music. And, um, to me, music never stops. Like, I mean, I step off stage and music still happening. Right. It's just all sound and vocabulary and colors. And, um, you know, in, in your training and music theory and all that, you, you get to have a lot of options and like a lot of control of what you communicate, but you should never let that, in my opinion, you, you know, you should never let that drive the shit. Yeah. Never like, I'm going to play this because it's you know, proper for this chord to resolve to this one. Like right. it's good to know that stuff, but, um, you know, you just do that so that you can converse. With yeah. 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 So opinion. what was the marching band stuff like? Oh, you like playing in front of what? 80,000 people. Yeah. That was really fun because you're a part of this big thing. Yeah. And you know, it's the same as if you were, I guess you don't have the roughnecks who ride around in the wagon and you've right. got the cheerleaders who do the dance routines and you got the mascot who dances. And, and I think every one of those people, you're just a part of, a big culture or even just yeah. being a fan in the stands with your face painted and you know right. it, it, you just feel like you're one of those you don't really feel like 
I never felt like I was like a star or anything, but I right. felt really cool that I was a part but you're of, part of this. Yeah, you're this me. huge movement, right? That's like super regimental, and like you can clearly tell if someone steps out of line, right? And right. Like, how do you do that? You know, it's like a giant uh, choreographed dance, really. But yeah, it is. But you know what? Oftentimes, when things you know, when you're, for example, when I'm playing solo piano, I have to do a lot. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure the bass is there and the rhythm's there and the chords. And, you know, so like my brain's kind of got to do a lot at once. And when you're doing marching band, you're still doing a lot at once because you're having to like control your, your, your body and like make sure you're playing right and all that. But, um, part of well, I guess what, with bigger bands like that, uh, the thing that makes it impactful to the audience is more everybody doing the same same thing together, and sim- okay. and it's so it's not real hard. Like once you know your thing, it's it's pretty. It's almost like a lot. Is easier. it like the steps are the hardest thing over everything? They're not even. None of it's really even hard. It's just okay. like once you got it, it's like you got it. It's um, in in music in general. Like I don't like to think of music as being hard or easy. It's just familiar or unfamiliar. So right. once you are familiar with all the steps you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do them, you just go do it. And, yeah, uh, it's not really. Do you have like a really best scary. memory or best game from like from that time? We yes, actually we so that new the it's not as new now, but the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Um, we went down there to play. I think it was Brigham Young University, and okay. it was the very first game ever played in that stadium. That was a really cool experience. So they they we bust down there and marched in that stadium with the you know the big Jerry World, the big uh, right. the big screen and all yeah. that. That was a really cool one. And then we had a bowl game in El Paso that year, and we played Stanford. And Stanford's marching band is like insane. They're oh, crazy. Really? They're not a part of the university. So Stanford's marching band is like this rogue marching band that like <laughs> gets in trouble right. all the time. They do like edgy shows and they say stuff they shouldn't say. So they're yeah. like, yeah, you'll just have to you have to Google it. Okay. Like they've done some shows where basically like. Stanford has gone to the people running the marching band, which is all student led and been like, Hey guys, you know, I know that you're not part of the school officially, but you are using your name. Can you please not do something? I mean, it's like they, they'll do crazy stuff yeah. and get banned and get like punished temporarily. And then they come back, but like rather than being all regimented and like stuff, they like, they still have choreography and stuff, but they just go nuts. They have yeah. like this giant dancing tree. That's guy amazing. And, yeah. They're very silly and they just make fun of the other team. They're like, not, it's not, it's not, it's not supposed to be polished, but they still play well, too. Yeah. And so we had, like, kind of a, a band, battle of the bands against them in this open area before the game where it was, like, Stanford's band and OU's band, and we took turns, like, playing tunes and yeah. kind of, like, our mascots would, like, dance against That's their so dancing good. tree. And I, I think that... I think they probably won. The, the OU's band is really sick and tight. Like, it's actually a great marching band, but... Um, Stanford's band. I just love how they're like. Just they a rogue, up, right? They it's like ass. the step yeah. up of marching bands kind of thing, right? <laughs> like exactly. Like bring it on or whatever that, you know, that movie's yeah. ch- cheerleading movie is. But so you go from OU, you get into this banking job and then you're there for what, three years? And But you're still playing during this time? Like still like playing piano and doing gigs and stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. And so when I was at the bank, I would, a lot of times I'd come just drive home at lunch. I didn't look too far away and I'd practice for a half hour before I went back. Um, and then I would drive to the east side of Oklahoma City to catch these jazz jams because at the time that's the, that was, yeah. that was where they were happening. And uh, that's where I learned a lot about just music, like how Oklahoma City's music culture is. Um, basically just like I couldn't get any of my friends to go over there because it was out of their bubble it wasn't like where they normally yeah, go yeah, so yeah. I would go there and I was hearing music there that I had never heard before because I was in OU's jazz program and there are some good players there but what would happen at these jazz jams on the east side it was at a, a venue called Bistro 46 and 
um, I heard like a group of musicians get together that were really, really good. And they like people who were touring and people who played in New York and yeah. you know, all those and all the cities where jazz is really, really happening. And when it's done a certain way, it feels totally different than right. if it's like sort of done. And uh, I, I was very impacted by that. I was I you know, met some of those players and was trying to learn. They could see that I wasn't swinging, yeah. but they knew that I wanted to learn and that I cared about the music. And so they were really welcming and, uh, and really humble musicians too, even though they were very exceptional. So they told me where I could go find that stuff in other places. Like I went out to New York, I went to a venue called Smalls, which is kind of considered the, you know, in, okay. in some circles, like the ultimate jazz hang in the world, you know, Smalls Jazz Club in Greenwich Village. And I got to see that and yeah. Um, my paradigm of like what music could be like went way higher. Yeah. It didn't right out of the gate. I didn't become a better player, but I all became a lot more aware of what was possible musically, yeah. rhythmically and, and, and just improvisation wise and, and stretching out and all that. And so I've been on that journey since then. Um, you know, at that time I was, I was working a banking job and playing jazz at nights. And I think there was mm -hmm. a time where I was like, well, why don't I just go do this in New York city? So I was trying to make that move. Okay. And I ended up redirecting and, and doing what I'm doing now instead of yeah. uh, moving out to New York. And so was that like the birth of okay sessions? Kind of. It is. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have that plan. Like I didn't have a plan for any, um, it's just, I, I just started a jazz jam in my neighborhood because the one on the east side, the, yeah. there, there wasn't a lot of attendance. It was kind of like the venue. So was that the Saint Sessions as well? Exactly. So, that's so what that, that was the first thing I ever okay. did in like the music industry. I was yeah. playing in bands and sideman gigs for, you know, all the time. But yeah. like I didn't, nobody like knew who I was in the scene because I just was just kind of checking everything out. And, yeah. Um, and I, and I didn't know that much about music at the time. Um, I played Saint Session or uh, Saint Sessions. I just did because the other jam <laughs> had died. The other jam had uh, died down, and um, and I said if I just invite those same players I've met to the Plaza District, I, I think that like people would lose their freaking minds yeah. about this. Because was these people kind of like more here. like street as well? Does oh, that make any sense? Like less than like less like university college education like white collar stuff that's a good question it was it's both so okay. these musicians really are both so some people are like you know they yeah i'll give you some examples a lot of the musicians a lot of the really good players in oklahoma city their lineage is this like they grew up playing in church especially like black gospel churches yeah um the black church is like an institution that creates incredible musicians it's like, just on the another best level fun from, thing to go to like you've yes. never been to one you have to experience it yeah and you know music's a really spiritual thing too and like yeah. the way they do music there is uh it's very much like yeah it's a it's a whole thing but not only it does it have all that feeling and emotion it is extremely technical i mean it is, okay. it is like i mean and I, I say this i'm not like a a big classical player, but to me, it's like that kind of music is, has a lot more, you know, like black gospel music, especially nowadays with all the funk and the jazz influence. And yeah. it is like, I mean, it's just, it's just really challenging music. Like there's not a lot of art, musicians who can right. play But it if now. you grow up in it, right, it seems normal. It, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's your language. And so you yeah. just speak it. Well, but those people, as they've gone through middle school, high school, into college, a lot of them have studied gotcha. at universities as well. So what you'll get is you'll get, and just to name a couple, like, you know, Jeremy Thomas, his dad was a, was a preacher and, or is a preacher still. And he grew up playing in church, playing drums and then organ. And then he went to UCO, which is this incredible jazz school. I mean, yeah. like, I think a lot 
lot of people don't know how amazing it's like UCO the music jazz. gospel a music mecca basically of midwest right Absolutely. UCO. i mean like it is one of the best jazz schools in my opinion in the, in the nation for yeah. sure and i don't think i don't think everybody really knows like right. the caliber of players that i don't think produce. a lot of people don't know probably that it's just a music place right well yeah the jazz lab is yeah it's a totally dedicated music venue building yeah. that the university runs and um so you know jeremy studied there too so he's gotten he's gotten both he can just feel it and he's like you know that cat i mean he's my piano teacher right now he's a good friend like yeah. he he can he like sees music as it's happening and he has perfect pitch and like can do all that stuff i mean he is he's one but he's one of the best instrumentalists in the world in my opinion to be honest yeah. and you know um uh Adam Adam Ledbetter is another great pianist uh, who his dad was a preacher, grew up in the church playing. Uh, he's 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 based in L.A. now, but um, you know he he's also I think he got a I think he got a master's degree in piano at OCU. So he's you know very studied at okay. classical too. So all these musicians they can do they pretty can much do anything. pretty much anything they want to yeah. do. Yeah, um, there are some people who uh, I think are educated only by hanging out with other musicians gotcha. and maybe didn't go to a university, but it, and, and it's interesting. It doesn't really matter because they're still great, but they just process music differently. It's yeah. like learning a language from a textbook versus conversationally versus, uh, right. Yeah. However. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like I said, it's just, if you can all play, that's how you play, isn't it? And then just bringing everybody together. Was it quite well, well received? Like the first couple of nights you did? Yeah, it, there was never with, with like the beginning days of Saint Sessions, like the very first one was banging. Yeah, I mean, was it just, a surprise to you though, at first or not? It was better than I expected. I, I mean, I just, I just thought like if we bring these players here for with this in this part of town, like people are really gonna like it. I don't think they've heard this kind of music before. And and yeah, that's exactly what happened, but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. It was more rewarding for me personally than I, than I realized it was Mm going to be. I think when you're an artist, you get to take people away and give them this experience where they separate from their normal lives, you know, where they've got a lot of, you know, stress and maybe even trauma and that kind of thing. And take them to a place where everything's just pure and good and wonderful. And you, as a promoter, you can do that too by selecting the right artist so uh, at the second saint sessions i i didn't play i just i booked it yeah actually i guess adam played keys at the yeah. adam led better and so i put him i think it was like him and jamar potit and uh raul reyes it was just some really great players and and they did their thing and and yeah it blew up very very quickly um and that's where i met you know my business partner for okay sessions was just i started doing that show once a month and at the right. beginning it was just a fun thing and i was still working in i was an accountant for my day job and yeah. i was just showing up once a week once a month and hosting that and it, it got some coverage and then got bigger and um then i came then i started asking more questions about the music industry locally and then realizing like hey i i love this and i'm better at this than i am at at being a accountant yeah. or a finance person, you know, like I like that that world, but I I don't uh, I'm probably better at the music thing. So. Yeah, you put more passion into it, and right, it's not mindless, you know, mind numbing work that you come in, you know, punching a clock in every day, right? Exactly. So what is it now? Where did it take us from like that time okay. to like Saint Sessions blowing up to like where you're at now, and and what like Okay Sessions is, and kind of where it's going. You know, next year, I guess. So as I look to take it from being like a side thing to being some, okay, what would it look like to do this full time? You need to start asking a lot of sort of really practical questions and and just a lot of questions. The the main thing that has always been the focus is the culture that surrounds it because there are some scenes that have really great music, but uh, like the culture is really ugly, you know, and Uh there's uh, between musicians and, and, and all that. And I think that's, 
really unfair to music because music is a thing that's supposed to connect people and right. that is what's so you know you got to treat first and foremost you got to treat music well um, always and yeah. then you got to treat then you got to make a good community because you know this is where I live like I'm doing this here because I live I started a jam in, in the Plaza District not not because I thought it would make a lot it's of sense it's a cool place to be right? I live there yeah. I have a house there you know like yeah. I, could, I wanted to be able to walk to Saints and play jazz and stumble home like yeah. that's what I wanted you know yeah. and so it, a lot of it is like I'm like inv- imagine the world you want to live in and then like make it that way and a lot of that so in there you have to consider the business side but also really consider the culture like how do you want people to treat each other talk to each other yeah. and for the fir- beginning that's really where the focus was and then we started being a little strategic and saying okay cool like if we want to try to you know sustainability is also important so you have you can't be afraid to make money you got to like figure that out yeah and we tried some things and we've been really slow to figure out how to make money but we i think we 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 do see it now basically like if you if you create something really genuine in an area and you present it well and you market it effectively then it will make money for those businesses and and you know music is a very lucrative industry if you do right. it right and um and so we're trying to figure out how to not only like create that value consistently for for businesses and things so that they feel comfortable funding uh yeah. music but also how do you pitch that to a business person who maybe has no experience with the music industry at all, you know, and, right. and how do you make sure that they can trust that they can give you a budget to work with and that you will deliver something that's, that's really good and their money won't just disappear. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first couple of years have been us trying to figure out where the scene's at, get an idea of like culturally what needs to happen to make everything good. And then, um, and then, uh, how to like to basically create products for businesses to buy from us that can mm-hmm. allow us to just basically get more money in the music industry locally so that we can reinvest that into more projects yeah, yeah, yeah. and do more music. And is that just kind of like playing like regular shows at like the Skirvin or whatever it is that you do in other places and just putting that kind of together as like, and like, a, like I said, a consistent basis, right? Or a six month or whatever it is. Like, I'm sure you're going to have, you know, hotels that have downturns and nights, you know, in the January and nobody drinks in January, right? Kind of, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of that thing and just going through all that. So, yes. And, um, you know, I, 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 I start out organizing shows and things. I've also found that, like, sometimes the best thing for me to do is not to, like, organize a big event, but just to play. Yeah. Um, that works too. Um, Beyond that, though, a lot of what we do is being a media source. So being okay. a blog, social media accounts, uh, finding writers in the scene who can effectively tell people what's going on. You know, I think for when I first started, I feel like there was a big culture in the music scene itself of like there was a sense that an, an impression that um, people maybe didn't care about music here and yeah. we didn't have a culture for it. And the reality is we just haven't. A lot of people who live here haven't encountered. They haven't encountered music, yeah. and it's not their. It's nobody's fault. It just hasn't happened. So we just have to make it happen. And and the thing is, you can have the best artist doing the coolest thing, but if people don't know what's happening, they can't attend. Right. And also beyond just like putting the information out there, you have to make people feel invited because people don't go to parties that are fun. People go to parties that they're invited to. Correct. So yeah. getting you know, it, Oklahoma City the way it's developed and it's so spread out, we have a lot of bubbles here. Yeah. Um, but I've also found that most people that they, they, once they get out of their bubble, they're really happy. And so creating a place where maybe like the music scene is connecting with people who do not consider themselves musicians. And then somewhere in there, those musicians being like, Hey, I would love for you to come to this event. It's going to be so fun. I would yeah. love to see you there. Um, rather than, you know, it, it really is a big difference between like having, 
you, you know, saying, hey, there's a show on this night. If you want to come, you can come. So it just hits a lot different yeah. than saying, I want you to be there. You should be there. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see you there. Like, um, if you come there, I'll, you, I'll introduce you to some new people. You'll right. make some friends. You know, you're not going to sit at a table by yourself in the corner mm-hmm. and just, you know, you'll meet friends who are dancing. Then you'll be comfortable dancing. You'll, like, yeah. you know, be bobbing your head and having fun. And by the end of the night, you will have a smile on your face that you haven't had since high school. You right. know what I mean? Like that and you're is, also like, when's the next one? And you get yeah, it back. Exactly. And then, yeah, yeah and having, doing, and then doing a little planning so that it's easy easy on people to, to make right. plans and, you know, especially a lot of the, you know, the music industry were a, a lot of places I think focuses so much on really young people, but, and, 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 and that, that's good because, you know, like I think people, you know, teenagers and, and early twenties people like those people are so vibrant and amazing, you know, but, um, when it comes to like the industry, there's a lot of people in their late twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, even that have money to spend, love music. Yeah. Um, but if you walk in their shoes, it's like, how are they really going to feel invited? And like, it'd be a thing, you know, if, if you got like a couple that's got kids and say they're in their, their mid thirties and they got kids, you know, like you, you can't, they can't see like information about a show the night of and necessarily be there. Right. You know, they need that audience is going to need some time to get a babysitter and all that. So just like really considering your neighbors, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, I believe music should be very local. Like, you know, think about those people, the people that live right down the street from you. How do you make sure that they have what they need to attend your show in a way where they know their kids are taken care of and right. they can really get in a headspace where they're not stressed about anything or work or whatever. They're just, you know, and there's a lot to that. I mean, you know, when you start considering that, you're like, wait, well, a lot of shows at bars start at 10 p.m. And if you got two kids in your mid 30s, yeah. you don't want to go to a show at 10 p.m. Like how do we create experiences that start at seven that start at eight for those people? And then the 10 PM thing is great for the, right. the college kids and people who want to be night owls, you know? Um, but with the, with that like six to seven start, was that kind of what you guys did this year at Chisholm Creek? Yeah. Right. So Chisholm and that was like Creek a six did. week thing. Was it? Yeah. And so that was yeah. like a little neighborhood music <laughs> festival series that we did. Um, I shouldn't say little, it, it's, it was actually one of, it was actually a fairly large, um, for, you know, just a, a yeah. local concert kind of thing. But, um, and, and that that event, you know, is meant to be a Tuesday happy hour kind of thing. So we tried to like walk in the shoes of people who live in that area, right. who like to go there. That basically it's like, okay, on Tuesday, you know, you've gotten two work days at, under your belt. You know, um, what would it be like to get off work and go in your work clothes to some party and just chill? And you get out of there by like you can stay until ten if you want, yeah. but you can also get out of there about eight thirty, and you will have seen great music. You get out of there at nine and still see great stuff. Um, but then what we found when we did that, you know, originally we were going six to nine and we found that actually a lot of people on a Tuesday, if it's a good party, they're like, I'll stay out till yeah. late. If it's a good party, I'm happy to go to work sleepy the next day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it was a fun event. So we did end up pushing it back a little because a lot of people like that, but still, you know, it went seven to 10. So you could go get dinner at seven thirty, right. be done at eight thirty or nine and be in bed by bedtime if you were, you know, so we, like and that that is also culture within the the people organizing music and the musicians like creating a culture of really considering your audience and understanding that you know most people don't live the schedule that musicians right. live you know I live yeah. I, my sleep schedule is crazy because I'm, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an artist and I get in from gigs at 2am all the time yeah. so I sleep until 10 or 11 I gotta get my like 7.5 hours 9 hours whatever and um, and uh, not everybody's like that in fact most people aren't you know? yeah so just yeah. considering others in, in your community I think is important to having a good scene so that's kind of the whole goal now is to just figure out how we can get this community 
centered around music and not specifically just jazz but anything right around whatever they used to listen to and and then venues that do that as well yeah music is really really powerful and i mean people say that all the time but i i don't i think i think a lot of people like are sort of like yeah that's true but they don't fully understand the gravity of it like they don't like our city where it is right now like oklahoma I i love this place it's it's my favorite city in the world you know but um but it does have some issues like oklahoma has some serious issues yeah and they're, they're cultural they're economic they're like all that and i don't want to say like music's this panacea that will cure everything but if you do it in a certain way you can kind of address right you know there are cities who have built their economy because of music and it's not just the music industry which is all right long, it's a big industry but if you build a great place to live other companies want to operate there and and I mean that that's a big deal that's a very big dollar deal um in people's personal lives mental health and things like that music I mean there's just so much research mental health is the thing that we're not necessarily doing a great job of as a as a society I feel right. like compared to other things and um music is really good for that um in a lot of ways uh but you know, I, I, sometimes those conversations sound like, oh, yeah, you know, it's really it's this magic thing. It's really powerful. It's, it's, it is magic, but it's also like very scientifically, quantifiably. Right. A and there's thing. a structure to it where you can actually follow and you can make this a legit thing rather than just say, oh, go listen to this music or go to this jazz night and you'll be fixed. Yeah. And having had some experience in like the high and like the business world, like as a banker and, yeah. and all that, like and seeing that and kind of what how stuff works, I'm kind of like. There are times when people consider cutting arts programming. Yeah. And I, because they're like, well, we need, you know, we need science, more science and math in schools. And I'm like, you're, you know, if you're even considering cutting that, like you're insane. You're building robots, not creative minds. It's it's not the, it's not the first thing you cut. It should be the last. Yeah. Because the reality is as like the life I'm living now, I mean, I was, you know, and I'll admit, I was one of those people that like, I, I really was not a big fan of school. I like school because my friends were all there and I like my teachers and hanging out with people. But like the way school, the way education works, I don't think it makes any, any sense at all. And Uh I I think it's kind of insane. And we, kind of just light a bunch of money on fire and then wonder why our kids grow up with problems. That's how I kind of feel like the whole education system is. Um, and I think that, um, I just think that it's every music program out there isn't necessarily one to invest in, but there are a lot that we should be pouring as a city. We should be pouring millions of dollars into and, and not, not thinking twice about it but we really do a lot of european cities will do that like they actually really do allocate a lot of funds Uh towards that uh a lot of not many american cities do that it's just not something we do here and i don't know if that's our business models like getting the city to to do that like i mean because so far we're we're trying to be a little more capitalistically driven like let's create a product that's so irresistible that people just want to buy it um which is like putting on incredible shows yeah make it they will come kind of thing exactly um but um definitely like just for my own personal like beliefs and and the world I want to live in is like, I want to live in a city where, where our kids are educated and mentally healthy and in a community where we listen to each other and take care of each other and bubbles always naturally form. But I want to live in a city that has mechanisms that bust those bubbles and get people hanging out with people that look different from them and are from different backgrounds. Cause I think that's healthy. I think that makes people happier. That's the, that's the city I want to live in. And I think music can do that better than anything else. And I think that the idea of ever investing in stuff that doesn't accomplish those things, improving education, 
bringing more money into the economy, yeah. creating more jobs. Like, why would you invest in stuff that doesn't do that and then cut the things that does that better than anything else? Yeah. And, but you see in like America, I mean, people actually talk about cutting arts pretty frequently. Yeah. It's like it's the go-to, crazy. isn't it? I it's think, and, and I see that and I honestly think those people, and I know that I, you know, they're really successful, respected people. Yeah. I think they're insane a lot of times. I think they're absolutely well, they, crazy. They're not musicians. They've never been through it. I don't think they have ever experienced them. Yeah, the way music can be. Well, I, so they don't probably don't have to be musicians, or just they just haven't been to like an arts like center or class or scene, right? They just never been a part of that. They've just done their job, done done the grades, gone to university, got an MBA, got into politics, right? And they're so busy, like maybe, maybe so busy trying to you know get something done that they're not, yeah, maybe not stepping back. And I, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why things are the way they are. I just know that I just know what I believe and what I want to see and. Uh, and I also know that, that the way the world is, like, it's not going to happen unless I just wake up every day right. and try to make it happen. And, yeah. you know, even if that's me just showing up at a piano, playing my ass off, telling, mm. asking people, like, tell me about your experience with music. What's a song you like? Do you have any requests? Yeah. Why do you like that song? Just engaging. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I, that, like I said, it doesn't feel like work. It's more like fun. You get to make so many friends from doing it. Yeah, and it's then something like between getting, you know, smile on people's faces you get back, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it's fun, but it's it's the kind of fun that you have when you're like at a at a great family reunion. It's that kind of fun. You know, it's uh-huh. it's I mean, it can be like the fun that you have when you're out drinking with your friends, but it can also be like that that fun you Nostalgic, have when you're like kind of like when when you're like with, hanging with a group of people and you know somebody's laughing until they can't breathe. Yeah. You know and. Uh, that sort of fun, you know, where you're like, where you feel s- surrounded by people that love you and people that you love. And that kind of fun is, is more than fun. That is like all that matters. Yeah. No, it's, it's something that, like I said, it's, you know, we're better off in this city because we have someone like you and, you know, your team working towards that. That's definitely a fact, right? Cause you know, you see the things that you've done and, you know, the reviews and everyone talks about it and where you're going and whatever events you have going on, even if it's just like you said, you sat at a piano engaging with people, right? You're still working towards that end goal. Uh, and it's going to be exciting to see where it is in three, five years, whatever's going on. You know, I'm not saying that Oklahoma City is going to be the next Nashville, right? But Hopefully we're, we're going to have, correct, that would be amazing. But like, it's more of like your everyday person thinking, what are we going to do this weekend? Oh, there's a show on, let's just go hang out and listen to music at some nice, you know, wherever it is and hang out with friends rather than a game or watching football or whatever it is, right? Like it's just give them another option that's such at such a level that it's hard for them to turn down yeah. and i think that's going to happen yes um what how can people get involved what's coming up like obviously you know christmas is coming up soon i'm sure you've got a ton of christmas shows lined up um i am not a huge fan of christmas music mariah carey's song at christmas i want to punch the radio like it's <laughs> it someone played it yesterday i'm like that's way too early. Um, but like, you know, I, I agree with the party and everything that's going on. So what do you have planned for Christmas? You know, how can people kind of come out and see and get involved? Um, I, I'll have a lot of shows and, and if, if anyone wants to hear me play, I'm, that's going to be on my website. Okay. Um, Christian Pearson dot M E dot me. Um, and so or if you just Google like Christian Pearson, OKC, you'll, you'll see that. Yeah. Um, on these things, I'm always like supposed to plug, I guess, join our email list or social media, but, I think the better better call to action is when you go to a show, like understand that you're part of the music. I think culturally, you know, like 
get, get into it. Like allow yourself to move your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to get up and like dance, but like, uh, there's the music always goes beyond the stage and like dance and music are the same thing. Uh-huh. There's no difference between moving your body and playing an instrument. Um, and just like, you know, you have to give a little to the music as an audience member and then it will give a ton to you. Okay. Um, and I think that some people in a new music scene have never experienced that. So when you, that's my call to action. When you go to a show, like get loose vibe and kind of get into it, like get inside the sound mentally and then just see what happens Okay, and bring and invite other people. Yeah. You know, because that's be how it's going to grow is by bringing and making people part of that movement yeah, and then knowing somebody, that they are part of it. Yeah. When you see somebody a show, so I, I'm, I get excited and I interrupt people. I interrupted you. <laughs> You're going to be late to your next meeting because uh, of this. Uh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> um, when you see someone at a show who's like sitting by themselves, go, go invite them to hang out with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's the scene that I want to be in. Like if someone goes to a show for the first time, then like somebody should be like, Hey, I've never seen you around here before. What's your name? Yeah. You know? And if we do that, we will have a really fun city to live in where everyone is. I think that's, you'd be so, I think that wouldn't be such a hard thing to do because of how nice everyone is in town anyway. Right. Absolutely. But I think they do need that nudge, that initial, like, Hey, just try it. See what happens. Yes. And then you might get married in four years time. (laughs) Exactly. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. That's real. (laughs) Um, But no, man, this has been super awesome. Uh, You know, just to get quick, quick 30 minutes with you just to share you know what you've been doing and you know just to just to because i want this on record that you know in in a year's time we'll we'll catch up and see you know where we are from now and then i'm sure in four or five years time we have this huge music city and you guys are right behind it so cool. look forward to seeing that and yeah they can follow you on instagram what is your uh, christian.pearson okay and then it's just okay sessions okay sessions yeah awesome all right yeah. well man i really appreciate it this has been awesome thank you Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston, mixed by Alan Brown, with music by Chad Duro.